as we're continuing our teaching series called Love Has Won. And Love Has Won is built around the Gospel of John. As we've been journeying through the Gospel of John throughout this whole ministry year and season, and now we're in this part of the Gospel of John, John 13, through the end of of John's Gospel, where we're going to see the last words of Jesus. We're going to see his last actions before he is crucified, buried, and resurrected, and ascends up to heaven. And so we've been just journeying with Jesus in this teaching series. And as we continue to journey throughout the Gospel of John, one of the things that I want us to be thinking about in our own lives this morning is when have you ever experienced being denied? You know, have you ever experienced that in your life where someone denies you or you've been denied access, whether it's admission to a concert, admission to a school, like there's, there's these kind of denials that happen in our lives. I know for me, one of the things that's happened of, of late is that when I go to use a certain card to pay for something and I go to pay for it, it says, this card does not work. And I'm like, what? There's money on this card. There's money in the account that's associated with this card. And then I do it again. Doesn't work. And then the people that are, that are waiting on me and serving me, they say, hey, this card has been worn hard. I can tell this is in a man's wallet. That's what they tell me. And they like start blowing on the car. They start doing all these things. All right, now try it again, honey. That's what they'll say, honey. Uh, and so I try again and then it goes through. And as that's happening, as this is taking place, it's frustrating because you know there's, there's money there. Uh, that, uh, why isn't this card working? And then there are people behind you, so you're a little like, oh, like I'm embarrassed a little bit. Oh, man, what's going on here? You know, there's all kinds of things that happen to us in the midst of something like that. And, and relationally speaking, when we experience a denial, when we're denied something, when we're declined access in a relational sense of the word, that does something to us. That does something to us. That impacts us. That affects us in deep and profound ways. And today what I want us to see is how this takes place in the life of Jesus, but also the characters who do the denying of Jesus. And what that means and signifies for us personally, but also also what that tells us about what the step forward could be in the midst of something like that. When we experience denying Jesus. Is there hope for us in the midst of that? And so what we're going to do is we're going to journey through the gospel of John here, and we're going to go to the verses, and the verses are going to pop up here on the screen. And what I want to do is something a little different today. I actually want us to stand for the reading of God's word, and we're going to actually read through the whole passage today. All right, we don't always do this, but I just feel led to do so. So we're going to stand for the reading of God's word as a way of signifying reverence for it, to signify what it is that is the word of God, the Bible, the scriptures. And then when we get to a highlighted section, I want to invite you to read that portion out loud with me. Sound good? You guys got the instructions? Nod, nod your head if you got it. Okay, all right, good. I'm all right, all right. Here we go. It says this, John 18, starting in verse 15. It says, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus because this disciple was known to the high priest. He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of the man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, It was cold 
And the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the, the, the officials nearby did what? What did they do? Slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent bound to Caiaphas. The, then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there, warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? And then it continues on here. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And your word is meant to be a lamp unto our feet. And so when we hear your word, I pray that we would be more than hearers, but doers of it. I pray that what we hear today, and as we consider what we see in the life of Jesus and in the life of those who deny him, specifically Peter, I pray that we would take inventory in our own lives, and I pray we'd also, we would also see the way forward in our own lives, in the lives of those around us as well. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Great job on reading the highlighted portion. Let's give you a round of applause for that. Great job, great job, great job. And so as we, we continue on here, I want to ask you this question. Who denied Jesus? And I want you to actually answer this, this question, all right? You, this isn't like one of those rhetorical questions. I want you to, to answer me. Who, who denied Jesus? Peter, did anybody else deny Jesus in that passage? The high priest, the, the guy that slapped him, right? right. So there's a couple of people that denied Jesus. But how was he denied? Like, how was he denied? What were some of the ways that we saw that take shape? Verbally, he was not acknowledged for who he truly was, his identity. He was slapped, right? Were there some other ways that we, we saw that take shape? relationally, right? Peter and him were really close, right? Peter was part of the inner circle, James, John, and Peter. So there's the 12, but then there's the three. So they were very, very, very close to one another. And it says that Peter denied him. Anything else of how we see Jesus being denied? His teachings, right? So it was like, hey, people heard him publicly, it's, Jesus makes that clear. Like, why, why didn't you get, take me then? And we know why, right? This is a setup. This is a, a way to get Jesus to the point where they wanted him to be, which is murdered on a cross where he willingly lays down his life for us, right? And so this is a sham. This is a kangaroo court, as they would call it, right? This isn't 
legitimate legal ways in which it was supposed to be done. This was illegal. This was a setup. And so this happens in the life of Jesus. And I think it's really important we don't miss this uh, because Jesus himself would talk about this moment specifically that would take place. Because in John 13, as we were reading through the Gospel of John, as we were in that portion of Scripture, we know that Jesus and Peter would often have these back and forth conversations, right? And Peter's always the guy that's so emboldened, right? He says, I will never deny you. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. I will never, 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 never. He's the first guy out of the boat, right? <laughs> when he sees Jesus. You know, he, in some ways, he's got that passionate, bullheaded, impulsive nature. And all of that, God will in, eventually renew and redeem in ways that will make him so impactful for what we're part of today called the church, right? God's going to use that. But as you think about this, I want you to read with me this passage here, and I'll read it to us. It's John 13, 37 through 38. It says, Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Will you really lay down your life for me? And I think all of us, we have that kind of back and forth with Jesus where we're saying to Jesus, man, I will, I will never abandon you. I, I will follow you. I will lay down my life for you. And, but Jesus often asks us, will you really? Will you really? This is an invitation to live life to the full when we do lay down our lives, right? Paul makes it clear in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, the one who gave himself for me because he loved me, right? This is the one that invites us. He's for us. So whenever we're going to lay down our life, it's, it's our benefit to do so. It's for our flourishing and the flourishing of others around us. But then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Disown me three times times. And disown me is a strong word. That is a strong word. He's saying, hey, this is going to happen. This is going to take place. This is going to take shape in your life. This is what you're going to do in the moments that are leading to my crucifixion. He hasn't even hung on a cross yet, but he's before these officials and his, his friends, his disciples, the ones who are, are walking with him, the ones who've shared a life with him have scattered. And Peter denies that he even knows Jesus. And so as we think about this, I want us to go back to what it is that we saw in this passage. How did it translate in Peter's life? What were the denials? What did they look like specifically? So I put here the verses where we see that happen in Peter's life. And it says this here in verse 17 of John 18, you aren't one of the, this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. And, and people have said, when you think about the person that's asking him this question, he is so afraid in this moment. He's full of fear, not full of faith, that he's even afraid of a middle school aged girl, right? That's the age. She's young. She's asking him this question. And he's so afraid. He's so afraid. He says, I am not. I am not. Again, you're not one of the man's disciples too. I am not. I am not. 
Again, he's denying, he's disowning, he's declining to be a part of what he truly already is a part of. The other verse here, in verse 25, it says, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it saying, I am not. Again, same idea here. They're asking, are you part of the Jesus way? Are you an apprentice of Jesus? Have you come under his leadership? Have you joined him? Are you giving yourself to this in faith, in trust? And he says, I am not. I am not. And then it goes on to say this, didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Again, Peter's denying it. And what we know when we look at the life of Peter, this won't be the last scene between him and Jesus. That's the good news. That's the good news. But before we can get to that good news, we have to acknowledge that we all are like Peter. We all are like that. We all, like Peter, have denied Jesus. We've denied him. There are different parts of our lives where we've said, I don't want you to have access to this. And that may not look as blatant as what Peter has done, but really at the heart of it, Jesus wants all of who we are. And so when we don't give him access to any part of our lives, when we say this part is off limits, we're denying who he truly is. His love, his truth, his grace, his power, his authority, that he actually knows how life is intended to be lived. And so we, we all, like Peter, have denied Jesus. And again, so sometimes it's more subtle. Sometimes it's under the surface. Sometimes we don't even realize that we maybe have done that. And that's where we need to ask ourselves the following. Why did Peter and why do we deny Jesus? Why did Peter and why do we deny Jesus? Why do you guys think that is? And again, not a rhetorical question. We'd love to hear from you. Audience participation this morning. Why do you think that is? What is it? Fear of man. I like that. What else? Self-preservation. I like that. Fear of man. Self-preservation. What was somebody else say? We don't really believe what we say we believe. That's really good. Our own control, right? We won't control. Not knowing him enough. Maybe there's a, a sense that there's not a shared life with Jesus, like the miles walked with him. Shame. There's shame sometimes that when we look at what we've done and how far we've messed up or what we've done or, or, or the things that we've decisions we've made or, or the life that we're currently in, there's shame to be like, ah, I don't even know if he wants anything to do with me. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was afraid that he was going to die, literally. Like, he was afraid that that was going to come. He was afraid not only what people were going to say about him, but literally losing his life. He was afraid. Any, anything else? Yeah, we're, we're afraid that Jesus isn't better than what we're afraid to give up, right? And I think that's so true of us. That's so good. Anything else come to you? We think everything's over already. There's this sense of, even for Peter, you know, he, he had given his life to Jesus. And now he's seeing the one that he had given his life to 
being handed over to these officials. He thought game was over, right? He was in the, moving to a, a place of despair, right? He, he didn't understand, for whatever reason, that Jesus was going to be resurrected. He thought the game was over. He had in his mind maybe the way in which the world worked as far as power, authority, might, right? Establishing the kingdom of Jesus. Somebody else had something over here? Being prejudged. Okay. All right. So there's a lot of things in our own lives to why this takes place and why we deny Jesus. And I think it's important for us to identify those places because as we identify those places, then we can have space and room to work with Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit as we seek our Heavenly Father and allow others into those spaces that are safe and trusted people to move forward. Because I know even in my own life, there are, there are areas where Jesus is saying, hey, I want to deepen your dependence on me. There's a lot of incredible things going on this ministry year, this ministry season at Riverbend. And I'm excited. But if I'm not careful, I love what someone said here, control can take over. I can become somebody that's going to just make it happen. And I know how to punch my way out of a lot of situations. I know how to, to move and make things happen, connect with people. But I need to do more than that. <laughs> I need to deepen my dependence through prayer and trust, listening to his voice, slowing down enough to give him access to my life so that I can go at the speed of love. But he's inviting me to say, don't deny me the opportunity to walk with you. I'm not asking you to do this on your own. I want you to depend on me. I want you to trust me. I want you to let me show you the way. I want you to let me do the work with you. It's not in the absence of me doing my part, but it's joining him in that activity. So again, it's important for us to be able to identify those things. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you to think about why have you denied Jesus for who he truly is? What is it that as you hear about Jesus through his person and his life and on, on the earth and his death and burial and resurrection that you say, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't believe that. I don't see that that is trustworthy. What is it for you? Is it a narrative that someone's handed you? Or is there a reason in your own story why that's the case? And I want you to know, we're not afraid of those reasons. And either is your heavenly father. He's not afraid for you to come with those things. He wants you to come. He wants you to come honestly, to know that you're heard even where you struggle, even where you personally get tripped up over. And you say, I'm not quite there yet. But here's the thing. Don't miss the invitation to deeply, deeply experience who he is by running away because you have questions or concerns or objections. Rather, bring those to him. It says in, in Psalm 911 that he will not abandon those who seek him and have trust in his name. So as you seek him genuinely, you're going to find him. He will not abandon us in that. And that is the good news for us. That is the things that we hold on to. So as we continue on, here's a question for you. And I don't want you to answer this out loud, okay? You can, this is for you to think about and process. Where in your life are you currently denying Jesus? Where is that in your life right now? Is there an area in your finances? Is there an area in your vocation? Is there an area in your sexuality? 
in your relationships? Is there an area about your identity, identity like that you actually have a posture toward yourself um, that may be a prideful, self-righteous posture? That's one part of this. Right? This always hinders us from experiencing what God has for us because we're blinded. We're blinded by our need and what Jesus wants to do. But there's another posture that I've noticed of late, and that's the self-loathing posture. And it's rampant in our culture right now, where people just hate themselves. They hate who they are, and they'll do anything in their power to change who they are, the way they look, the way that they experience or feel different emotions, all to numb it out, all in the name of hatred for self, instead of seeing themselves as fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. That, guys, listen, I'm telling you, that is one of the main reasons why anxiety, depression, and suicide are running rampant right now, self-loathing. And we need to be a people that actually evaluate, hey, are we denying Jesus in that area of our life? So where in your life are you currently denying Jesus? Where is it that you're saying, hey, I don't want you to have access to this area of my life? Take some time to consider that. Take some time to think about that. Because it's important for us to really journey with Jesus because he's calling us deeper. And we, that's what the whole worship set was this morning, right? Wasn't it? I mean, all the songs were all about, hey, I'm calling you to deeper waters. I'm calling you to uncomfortable. I'm calling you to a place where you're going to experience change and conformity to my likeness and to my character and to my ways. But it's uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable. And that's okay because he's our source of comfort. He will provide the comfort that we need, even as we evaluate and answer these things in our own lives and come before him with it. Well, as we continue on here, I want us to not miss that as we consider the denial from Peter to Jesus, that that's not the end of the story. Because ultimately, as we would continue to hear in the gospel of John, as we think about what it is that Jesus would experience for us. This is the good news that Jesus was denied so that you will never have to experience the Father's denial. You will never have to experience your heavenly Father denying you. Because Jesus hung on a cross and he said very loudly, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this speaks of the relational tearing for our sake. Because he took on our sin, he took on our shame, he took on our pride, he took on our fear, he took on our blame, he took on all of our denials so that we would never be denied by our Heavenly Father. And he's given us access and he's made a way forward. And this is what you see in, the, in Peter's life as well when Jesus is resurrected and they share a breakfast together and, and he asks questions, not questions like, why did you deny me? But questions like, do you love me? And it's to reaffirm in Peter what he had done on Peter's behalf. How Jesus had provided for Peter what Peter could not do on his own. And this is good news for us because he's inviting us, even in those painful moments where we have to look back at the things where we've denied Jesus. They're never to take us to the point of condemnation, but to take us to the point to experience change and comfort and greater healing. Whenever he's taken us back to those spaces and those places, it's never to say, look how much you've blown it. That is the voice of the accuser. That is the one who's called the liar, the murderer, our great enemy named Satan. 
That's what he comes to do. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus comes to give life. And I know in my own story, whenever he's bringing up things for my sake, for my sake as Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit's at work in my life, as that's happening, simultaneously there's an accuser that wants me to get off track, wants me to become more divided within myself, more divided with my heavenly father, more divided with my beautiful bride and my son. He wants to bring this disintegration not this integration, but Jesus wants to bring integration. He wants all of us, and he wants to do a work in our lives. And I just want to say to you this morning, wherever you've been and wherever God's taken you, may you hear that Jesus has made a way. This will empower you. This will empower you past the points of where you've blown it. Because the truth of the matter is we have all blown it, and we will blow it again. The difference between Judas and Peter wasn't that they didn't blow it. It was the response when they recognized they blew it. That is the difference. The posture of heart. What Peter did is he changed. He changed direction. Judas refused to do so. Judas refused to do so and took his own life in response to that. And I'm I'm not saying that in the midst of uh, suicide or, or, or when that happens and we harm ourselves, that means that God's done with us. But what I'm saying specifically Judas never came to the place of repentance and trust. Peter did. Peter did. Peter came to that point. And as Peter came to that point, that made all the difference. And for us, that can make the difference in our lives as well. Again, Jesus was denied so that you will never have to experience the Father's denial. And here's the last part of this. Jesus took on your denial so that we don't have to be defined by denying him. I want to let that just wash over you for a moment. Will you you let the good news, the grace and truth of Jesus just wash over you this morning? Many of you need to hear this. Jesus took on our denials so that we don't have to be defined by denying him. We don't have to be defined by that moment in time, that place, that space, but rather we're defined by what he's done for us. We're washed by the the righteousness of Christ. We're, We're made perfect not because we're perfect, but because Jesus is perfect. We're called holy, blameless, righteous, redeemed. This is what we're called. But here's the problem. I think they can become concepts theologically that we have here. So we have ideas about it, but they're not contextualized in our everyday life. We don't carry them with us. And one of the things that I love to do um, in the lives of those around me, including myself, is to remind myself again and again who I am. I love to say something like that to my wife before she leaves for the house. Hey, you're, you're holy. You're righteous. You're loved. You're redeemed. You're, you're beautiful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's not just me being romantic. Though some would say, you know, that has a little flavor of romance. I would say it's really a heart that wants her to step into all that Jesus has for us. And we need to be the people of God who walk in that and help others to do that. We need to be the reminders. We need to be the light posts to remind them, hey, this is where you were. This is what God's doing now. And this is what he says of you. Because that is what carries us forward. That's what allows us to join him in the activity that he wants to do in us, through us, and around us. So wherever you find yourself this morning, whatever the denial has been, I want you to know, Jesus was denied so that he could take on all the nows. 
every denial that we've experienced, every time that's taken place. Jesus experienced it in so many different ways. He experienced it with people not acknowledging his true identity. He experienced it relationally through Peter and others that were close to him. He experienced it when he hung on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But this is the invitation that he's inviting us to experience something beyond those moments in our lives because of what he's accomplished for us. And through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, we're invited to join in the purposes that he has for us. And so because of that, we can take inventory. Hey, where am I denying you now? We don't have to run and hide because of shame or pride or fear. Or, but we can come openly and honestly. Just like my son Ray, he comes to me openly and honestly. And even when he's trying to hide something, inevitably it comes out because we don't hide in our family. We do not hide. We don't keep secrets. And we want to teach him that. But you know, in the family of God, we need to know that too. Before our heavenly father and before saved people, we don't need to keep secrets. We don't need to run in shame. We can hold out the hope that is ours in Christ and acknowledge where we are struggling, where we are wrestling, where we have dropped the ball. We can be honest because of what Christ has done for us. He has run the race before us. We can join him and what he's doing in our lives. Will you join me in prayer? Father, right now, I thank you so much for your love in your life and what it is that you've done for us, what it is that you've accomplished on our behalf. God, I pray that in very real and tangible ways, we would experience your good pleasure and your delight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you and ultimately were denied for our sake, for our sake, so that we would never experience the Heavenly Father's, our Heavenly Father's denial. Thank you, Jesus, that you took on our denial so that we won't have to be defined by that moment in time. And God, I just pray in this place right now, wherever people have experienced that in their own life with you, where they're currently even experiencing that, I pray, Jesus, that they would sense the grace and the truth that is found in you, the kindness that is inviting us toward you. It's your kindness, as Paul says that leads us to repentance. It is your kindness that draws us in. I pray, even with the hard stuff of life and even the things that we're trying to, to work through, even when things are brought to mind and, and to our attention by you, Holy Spirit, it's never again meant to condemn us, but rather to lead to a conviction that will lead to change and transformation. So we pray this day, we pray this day that you would go to work in our lives. And not only this day, but in the days to come as well. We're just so grateful. We're so grateful for what it is and the ways in which you're at work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.